Thank you, Pastor Holmes. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Certainly good to be in God's house tonight. Camp meeting 2009, and we have been feeling the presence of the Lord around here already, and I'm thankful for it. Regret that we could not be, I could not be here for uh, all of it from the beginning, but I have certainly enjoyed what I have received today, this morning, the good teaching and instruction from Brother Pixler and Brother Weeks, and of course, uh, this afternoon, Brother Crawford Kuhn uh, thrilled me all over again by admonishing us to hold on to the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And I feel more like doing that tonight than I ever have in my life. Do you love this apostolic message? Do you really love this apostolic message? If you don't have a love for it, you better get one quick. Because those that do not have a love for the truth are going to be sent to strong delusion in these last days. They're going to believe a lie and be damned. I want to fall in love with this Pentecostal gospel apostolic message. It still works today, doesn't it? Amen. And uh, then Brother Pixler, of course, again, a few moments ago, I, uh, I appreciate everybody else coming tonight to be present while Brother Pixler preached to me. But I thank God for that message that I just heard and it ministered deeply to my heart and I appreciate it very much. Thank you, uh, Brother Holmes and First Pentecostal Church of North Little Rock for all the hospitality extended to us year after year and uh, just pre- uh, providing this tremendous, tremendous venue for us to receive the blessings of God that we do time after time. How many times I have been blessed. And uh, last year we had such a great time in the Lord. And, and uh, one of my sons received a very, very special touch from God in the final service here last year. You can't put a price tag on that. I've got relatives, they're taking their kids in the summertime, the NASCAR races and all sorts of things. They ask us what we're doing, and it's youth camp, it's, it's youth congress, it's uh, camp meeting, it's conference. Oh, but the dividends pay off, I'm telling you. I'd rather be doing what we're doing right now than anything I know. Praise God. Oh, let's just love Him and worship Him again a little bit. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen. So without a lot of uh, delay, I want to turn in our Bibles tonight in the book of Mark chapter 9, the book of Mark chapter 9, while you remain standing, and uh, I'm going to do my best not to keep you real long tonight, and uh, everybody that believes that say amen, but anyway, I'm going to do my best, and I really feel that I will not but uh, I do, I do feel in my spirit that God is going to meet some needs in this place in the next few minutes. Obviously, I'm alone in that, but I really do feel that. I hope that by the time I'm done, or the Holy Ghost is done, that, uh, that we will... Uh, readily acknowledge that. I feel very intimidated tonight. For one thing, this pulpit has shrunk drastically. Uh, there was at least, now Brother Pixler said he was glad that the other pulpit wasn't up here because he can't see over it. But he's, you know, who's he? But anyway, but I always felt somewhat comfortable behind that mini fortress up here. You could hide a little bit, but uh, this thing, this thing is, uh, I feel very vulnerable, uh, very exposed. 
in a good Christian way. Amen. Uh, and uh, I'm also, of course, intimidated by the fact that I am surrounded by such a host of great men of God, both on this rostrum and throughout this assembly. That's right, let's give the ministry a, a hand tonight. We, they deserve honor. The world applauds sports stars and entertainment stars and politicians. What's wrong with giving the men of God some honor? And not only that, but some of the finest preachers in all of Pentecost are gathered in this place tonight. So if you think I'm in a good spot, you need your head examined. But I didn't come to preach to them. I came just to obey the Lord and deliver what I feel on my heart. And if Brother Kuhn told us today that what he was going to preach was a Wednesday night Bible class in Gina, if he felt that about that masterpiece he gave us today, then I'm going to tell you, we're going really simple and elementary tonight. But honestly, this is what I feel. In Mark chapter 9, I want to begin reading with verse number 14, a very familiar story. The Bible says this, and when he came to his disciples, he had just been on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. When he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them and straightway. All the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you and how long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him, and he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Perhaps this isn't what you expected tonight, but it's what I feel beating in my heart. And so I'm just going to kind of hook in to what we've already heard in this service. And I want to speak to you for the next little while about the birthplace of possibilities. The birthplace of possibilities. And I want us to one more time lift our hands and let's worship the Lord and ask Him to talk to us. Ask Him to talk to us. Come on, ask Him to talk to you. Hallelujah, have your way tonight, God. I need you. I pray that you will grant me your anointing and your unction one more time. For without you, I can do nothing. But I call upon you for your help. Oh, God, manifest your presence in this house. Walk up and down these aisles by your spirit. Overshadow us, God. Extend your hand of help and strength and mercy to every person that's here. 
in Jesus' name. Come on, in an assembly this size, we can do better than that. Let's lift up our voices. Oh, let's let him know we're serious about it tonight. Praise God. Come on, all over this building, all the way to the back. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Thank you again, Brother Holmes, for this gracious invitation. We want to obey the Lord tonight. We find in this passage of Scripture a very extreme and critical situation. I'm sure that everyone feels the same way that I do whenever I see uh, a mom or a dad with a afflicted child or one who has some type of physical condition that uh, limits them and, and uh, requires that they be cared for continuously. Uh, my heart goes out to them. It is a tremendous challenge for any parent of uh, uh, perhaps a handicapped a child who requires their care 24-7. But in this case, who can understand or possibly imagine the horrors that this father had to endure for a very long time with a son who is not physically handicapped only, who isn't, doesn't just have some kind of physical problem or illness, but he is in the grip of demonic possession. If you have never seen that, you cannot imagine how horrible that it is. Perhaps many of you have. I grew up on the mission field where these types of scenarios were very commonplace to me. I remember as a child seeing many times in our churches in Brazil and my uncle and cousin are here and they can attest to it and others uh, no doubt also how that many times there were people in our midst who were devil possessed. And when they came under the influence of the presence of God, the evil spirit would react much as it did here in this passage whenever this young man was brought into the presence of Jesus. And I remember as a boy being horrified by the sights that I beheld as people's uh, grown adults writhed and, uh, and uh, they... Uh, uh, they uh, uh, scooted across the floor like a serpent and uh, did things that were not even really humanly possible. Brazil is a predominantly Catholic country and, and a large percentage of them, a majority in fact, are also given to spiritism and devil worship. And very often before anyone could be filled with the Holy Ghost, they had to be delivered of those devils. I do not believe that the Holy Ghost is going to cohabit an individual with a demonic spirit. And uh, so we saw this often. And I remember my dad often saying uh, when these things uh, took place and manifested themselves, uh, admonished the mothers and dads to get their children close. Because uh, the Bible said when an evil spirit goes out of a man, uh, that he goes about seeking uh, some other uh, residence, some other abode. It's certainly not the time to be snickering and laughing and pointing uh, and making fun and it was uh, it was uh, a very scary time at church until those devils would be cast out and and uh, so it left an indelible imprint in my mind but to actually be the parent of a child or a young man who was possessed of a devil in this manner is beyond our ability to imagine uh, I, the bible says 
said here that this man said concerning this spirit, wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And not only that, but it also goes on to say that many times these this spirit would cast him into the fire. Uh, I, I can imagine perhaps many times through the years this man hearing his wife scream out in, in horror and say, Honey, please come quick. It's happening again. And this dad would have to go and pull his son away from the fire with the pungent smell of singed hair and burned flesh of his own son in his nostrils. I have no doubt that this young man was badly scarred from the many times that this devil had tried to kill him and other times it had thrown him into the water and tried to drown him and the dad had to pull him out. I'm going to tell you something. The devils that are in the world today are a very destructive power among us. And I'll just throw this in. That like to destroy every one of our children, our sons and our daughters. Can I tell you it's never too soon to get them involved in the things of God. This came on this young man when he was a child. What this world is giving themselves over to. Can I just stop here a moment and say, television, Harry Potter books, Hollywood movies, all the music they're listening to, the kind of games that they're playing is filled with demonic images. We've got kids walking around being diagnosed with ADD or whatever that are nothing but devil possessed. And so, right while Jesus comes up to him, amen, this thing happens again and the young man falls down and there are these horrible contortions and writhing about and there is a large crowd assembled and the dad is there wringing his hands. You can imagine how terribly embarrassing that it was. Not only this but he had never been able to have an intelligent conversation with his son because it was a dumb spirit that had a hold of him and so if ever if ever a situation called for a dramatic cure this one did amen the extreme circumstances and the magnitude of this problem needs some drastic deliverance to take place what a time for Jesus to perform some marvelous manifestation of his power. Surely something like that was called for and after all he had just come down off the mount of transfiguration where the Bible said his countenance was changed like the noonday sun. It was so bright and brilliant the disciples that were with him could not look upon him as he was seen speaking with Moses and with Elijah. He, this has happened just moments earlier. Surely now he can let some of that glory and some of that power and some of that light shine through again as he does warfare with this powerful devil that has a hold of this young man. And so the dad, he cries out in his earnest plea, if thou canst do anything have mercy on us and help us I wonder if anybody can feel the heartbeat of this father as he asks this question. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm starting to feel something already here tonight. If thou canst do 
anything. Amen. And I want to impress on you tonight that Jesus surprised him and stunned him, no doubt, with his answer. Instead of lightning flashing and thunder rolling and some dramatic manifestation of the power of God, he bounces the ball right back at this dad. He flips it right back at him. And this is what he says, if thou canst believe... Amen. I was uh, I was looking at this in the Portuguese Bible when I was in Brazil a few weeks ago. And you know what the Portuguese Bible says? It just simply says, Se tu podes, which means if thou canst. Now I want you to replay this again very quickly in your mind. The man, desperate, his son in front of him, writhing around, Possessed of this devil in the grip of demonic influence says, if you can do anything, and Jesus turns around and says, if you can. It's not if I can, if you can. Oh, y'all aren't hearing me tonight. It's not whether I have the power, I have the power. It's not whether I can do it, I can do it. What I want to know is can you believe? Hey Amen. Oh, you're still not hearing me, so let me talk to you a little bit more here. In the book of Matthew, in Matthew's rendition of this same incident, the Bible said that when it was all over and the disciples came to Jesus and questioned why they were not able to cast him out, Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing, and nothing, everybody say nothing. You know what nothing is? Nothing is a zero with the rim rubbed out. It's nothing. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Oh, I can feel it already here this evening. The resistance rising up. This sounds like a charismatic message to me. This sounds like some radio uh, faith preacher. To, I'm going to tell you, this is the Bible. This is the word of God. That is as much the word of God as Acts 238. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. Amen. Back in the book of Mark, in the 11th chapter, Jesus says this, uh, similar words in a different setting. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into this see and shall not doubt and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith where therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray believe believe that you receive them and you shall have them I'm going to tell you something. I'm not ready to rip that out of my Bible. You can call it hocus pocus, mind over matter, or you want to, but it is the word of God. This desperate situation, and the man saying, if you can do anything, and Jesus wheels around and says, it's not me, it's can you. Hallelujah. 
And so Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, just a seed, just a tiny grain is all it will take. The disciples said, why couldn't we cast him out? Jesus said, all you needed was a seed. That's it. Just a seed and it would have been enough. Oh, there's a lot of unbelievers in the house. Amen. But before this service is over, something's going to happen in this place. Hallelujah. And so... And so, of course, I thought again, if all it takes is a grain of mustard seed, then where do we get the seed? And how does this faith come? How is it birthed? How is it introduced into our soul? How does it begin to grow in our heart? And the scripture said again, I told you this is elementary. I didn't come to impress anybody. I came to obey the Lord. But the Bible says, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach except they be sent amen and then it goes on to say so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate this the way that I have felt it in my soul. But I'm going to try anyhow. Uh, Several months ago, during one of my more recent trips to Brazil, amen, I was, I had walked out of the hotel and I was going down the boulevard near there to find something to eat. And it's a large boulevard. It's one of the biggest in the city of Sao Paulo. The city of Sao Paulo has over 20 million people in the metropolitan area. I don't know what the population of the state of Arkansas is, but I would guess that you could put several Arkansas's population-wise in this one city. And many of you have been there. You know what I'm talking about. It is a sea of humanity. That's where I grew up. And this particular boulevard is the equivalent of uh, our Wall Street. It's one bank and five institution after another it is the financial center uh, and artery of the city and there's people milling around and as I went out walking there was an event that took place that kind of unnerved me a police car whipped around and up on to the sidewalk just ahead of me and some police officers jumped out with huge revolvers in their hands and they went running ahead with their guns drawn and then here comes a wagon full of military police and they make a U-turn and jump up onto the uh, sidewalk and they jump out with their weapons and and I thought oh my god there's going to be a shootout and I'm going to you know I'm allergic to lead I break out in holes and uh, and so I tried to get away from there as quick as I could but as I'm walking down the boulevard I was stricken again and overwhelmed by the immensity of the task. These millions of people who are lost and you could see the misery all around. The consequences and the effects of sin. And as I looked at that and I felt the hopelessness of that situation, I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, you know why they are lost because they have not heard my word. I I knew that already and when I said that it didn't hit you as a big revelation but I'm going to tell you it stopped me dead in my tracks because all of a sudden as I looked around at 
tens of thousands of human beings walking this way and that, I began to envision in my mind what would happen if somebody just preached the word to them. I'm going to tell you what would happen. Not all of them because all never do. But many of them, their lives would begin to be transformed. Something would begin to happen in their minds and in their spirit and in their souls. Amen. Because the word is like water on dry soil. Whenever you put it on there, something begins to grow apply the word and something starts happening oh I see I'm going to have to pull some of you all the way but that's all right amen I see Ezekiel being carried to a valley full of dry bones and God asked the question can these bones live again the Bible said the valley was full there were very many of them and they were very dry and the question was can these bones live again and Ezekiel answered diplomatically he said Lord thou knowest that's a safe answer that's a safe answer you know you know amen but in spite of the hopelessness of that situation God gave him a solution he said prophesy unto these dry bones now they're dead bones and they are dry bones they are as inanimate as the stones lying around them and yet my bible says that God told Ezekiel to say to these bones hear the word of the Lord it is logically and it is materially impossible for dead bones to hear anything but God said I'm going to show you how powerful my word is speak to these bones and say hear ye the word of the Lord And he told him what to say. And I guarantee you that Ezekiel looked this way and he looked that way because he was feeling pretty ridiculous at the moment. I guarantee you Ezekiel had quite near zero of faith that anything was going to happen. This was going to be an exercise in futility. And yet he obeyed God and he threw his head back and he began to say hear oh dry bones what the word of the Lord says I'm going to cause flesh and sinew to come upon you and then I'm going to breathe into you and you are going to live again And as he prophesied, you know what happened. The Bible said that there was a shaking. There was a shaking. There was a noise that took place. And thousands of bone fragments, because the valley was full of them, started scooting around and hooking up with each other and forming skeletons. And I guarantee you by this time now, Ezekiel's faith is increasing because he's seeing something begin to happen it's not the finished product but it's certainly not what he thought would ever happen bones are scooting across bones are hearing the word of the Lord and reacting And as skeletons were formed and he continued to just repeat what God told him to say, amen, flesh began to appear on the bones.
bones and sinew and then skin until they were all bodies laying around and then God said now prophesy to the wind he didn't have to persuade him now I don't think by now he has a very powerful visible confirmation of what the preaching of the word of God can do and so now with newfound authority and anointing feeling really good now he turns around and prophesies to the wind oh wind blow blow wind blow and the wind of God began to blow and God breathed into them and they stood up the Bible said an exceeding great army You know what God wants some of us pastors to remember tonight? That it doesn't matter how dead and dry our situation looks, how impossible, how remote. All we've got to do is stand up and preach. Just preach. Just preach. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'll tell you something. I was in my church the other day walking around praying with a very heavy heart. We'd been through some problems and some setbacks and I was as discouraged as I have ever been. I was having a personal pity party like you wouldn't believe. I baked my own cake and put the candles on it, brother. Amen. I had all of the doings and I was crying. And I was uh, feeling sorry for myself. And I was walking around thinking in my mind about our assembly. And I thought about many of our faithful saints who are aging. And they've got physical problems. And, and those that have been most faithful, they simply do not have the physical energy anymore to do what they used to do. They have a desire but physically they cannot do it and I was just let me preach how I feel and I was thinking God this is impossible I don't know how we can have revival under these circumstances amen and I was rounding the corner walking around the aisles and the Lord spoke to my heart and said I gave Sarah a baby in her advanced age Is there anything too hard for God? And God said to my heart, if I do it under these circumstances, everyone will know it was God. And then he also said, for that matter, I gave Mary a baby and I didn't need a man to do it. Yeah, Brother Pixler, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to see the promises from where we're standing. I feel like God has ordained this service. I feel like God has ordained that message, and I feel the Holy Ghost speaking through my heart right now. God's trying to help somebody. I know he's trying to help me. Some of you cool cats that got all the answers, you just sit back and wait. Amen. There'll be another message for you. But some of us need help here tonight. And we're crying out in our desperation saying, God, if you can do anything. And God's saying, it's not me. Can you believe? He Oh, let's feel after him for just a little bit here. Let's feel after him. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, amen. I'm talking about, you can be seated if you want to, the birthplace of possibilities. Isn't that what happens at salvation? The Bible said, we, and you have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Just as dead as those dry bones. Just as fragmented as those skeletal remains. Amen. And yet somebody gets up and preaches the word of God. And the word begins to challenge our thinking and then it changes our thinking and it begins to correct false notions and false ideas and erroneous philosophies and concepts and so on. People come to church, they think they know everything about God. They know John 3.16 by heart and they think they're Bible scholars. They think they know more than you. And so they're sitting there in their arrogance and in their pride and they're stubborn and they're resistant to everything that's going on. They come with their minds made I'm not going to move. I'm not going to pray. I'm not. I'm just coming for my friend. I'm just coming to get so and so off my back. There they stand with their thinking all messed up. But then somebody gets up and begins to preach, and the word, the word goes out, and it begins to do something internally, and it begins to rearrange their thinking, and. Hardly before they realize what's happening, they're wiping away tears from their eyes and their lips are quivering and their hands are shaking on the backs of the pews until the next thing you know, they're walking down an aisle, amen, to an altar to pray and they wonder how they even got there. Hallelujah. Even when we are not predisposed to pray, the word of God can touch us. Let me see the hands of all those that can say it happened to me. I went to the meeting one night and my heart wasn't right. I wasn't coming to pray. I wasn't coming to seek God. I was coming just to laugh, just to make fun, just to mock, just to, just to have something to talk about in the lunchroom the next day. But then the word of God goes out. And faith, faith is born. Faith appears. And the next thing you know, somebody is saying, like they said on the day of Pentecost, amen, that when Peter preached that message about Jesus being their Messiah, and they had crucified him, and with wicked hands they had slain him, and suddenly, suddenly, men uh, realized what their situation really was. They hadn't thought about it that morning. They didn't go to sleep the night before with that on their mind. They felt righteous. They felt correct. But now the word of God had changed their thinking. And they were thinking differently. And men and women who had no intention that morning of doing anything beyond what they had always done were saying, men and brethren, what must we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. Let me back up and try that again. Is this a Baptist congregation? Is this a Catholic assembly? Not trying to run anybody down. I'm just saying this is a, this is the first Pentecostal church. This is an apostolic camp meeting. So let me back up and try that again. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you, and you, and you, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you, and to your children, and unto all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And 3,000 people 
who had no thought in their minds an hour earlier about getting baptized, Brother Kuhn. 3,000 people that didn't have a notion in their mind before about the Holy Ghost. The Bible said they that gladly received the word were baptized and there were added to them 3,000 souls. Can I tell you something again here tonight? It's still the only message. Wouldn't it be great if before this service is over, they baptize somebody who came to church tonight with no thought in their mind of being, can I say to you, ma'am and sir, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. For neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must, we must, we must be saved. It's not one of the ways to be saved. It's the only way to be saved. I said it's the only way. There's no salvation in any of it. Come on, we're one God, Jesus name, apostolic people, aren't we? There's still only one God and his name is Jesus. Some of you have been told something else all your life, but now I'm telling you what the word of God has to say. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All it takes is somebody to preach it. And all of a sudden, somebody who's got a hard head and a stiff neck and all kinds of goofy ideas is saying, hey, where can I be baptized? Or like the man that sat in my office and said, pastor, I'm ready. Where's the start button at? I said, let me tell you where it's at. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. Or you will not see, neither will you enter into the kingdom of God. One long after that, Cornelius' household, Peter came to preach and the Bible said, while Peter yet spake these words, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard them. While Peter yet... Oh God, help me Jesus. This is where it could get ugly. This is where it could get ugly. We are living in the time of the denigration of preaching. Even in Pentecost. I know I sound like a broken record every year, but I'm going to say it again. You can have your smoke machines. You can have your strobe lights, your special effects, your spooky music. But nothing will work like preaching. Nothing will work like preaching. Go ahead and have your dramas if you want, but don't ever let it replace the preaching of the word of God. Amen. Can you just give me a few more minutes on that? Because again, I sound like a broken, but I've made up my mind with what's going on in Pentecost, with this emergent uh, church theology and all this stuff that's sweeping through the ranks of Pentecost. It has become evident, amen, that what I've been trying to say for years and others too is true. Pentecost, for the most part, still has an identity crisis. We can't get over our inferiority complex. We're trying to mock the, mimic the charismatics and do what the other churches are doing. I don't care what they're doing. They're doing that because they don't have the anointing. 
program and a lot of entertainment to make up for the lack of anointing. But we have what originated, amen, in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Well, this is what young people want today is all that fancy doodad stuff. Might be what they want, but what they need is old-fashioned apostolic preaching. Because if they don't fall in love with the word, they're not going to make it anyway. If you scare them in, you've got to keep scaring them to keep them in. If you sing them in, you've got to keep singing to keep them in. If you bring them in by entertainment, you've got to keep entertaining them to keep them in. If you get them in through social functions, you've got to keep innovating new social functions to keep them in. But those that fall in love with Jesus and really repent and pray through at an old-fashioned altar and fall in love with preaching, nothing, brother, is going to shake them loose. Give me just a few more minutes. Amen. I know you're already in a finishing mode, but not quite. Not quite. The Bible said that it pleased God that by the foolishness of preaching, he would save them that believe. He could turn it on up there at the Mount of Transfiguration, but he didn't do it down there. That was a one-time deal. But if he wanted to, he could. Brother, he could put on a show here tonight that would razzle-dazzle everybody. And he could do it every service if he wanted to. But he doesn't want a bunch of people in heaven that are there just because they were seeking after some new thrill, some new heebie-jeebies, some new goosebumps on duck pimples or whatever it is feeling. Thank God for something you can feel. It'll make you shake a leg and clap your hands and leap for... But you know what? It'll keep you when you don't feel anything. And God give us people that'll walk with God, Brother Coon, when they don't feel anything. The Word is what produces something in our minds that causes us to say, what shall we do? But once we get into the church, we come, we got all these goofy things in our heads. And so the preacher starts preaching. And the next thing we start learning about is separation from the world and holiness. Oh, nobody's going to live that in 2009. I got a few witnesses in the house that say they will. No young lady's going to live godly in 2009. I've got a few witnesses in the house that say, yes, they will. No young man is going to fall in love with righteousness in 2009 and keep himself pure, amen, and sanctified. I've got some young men in the house that say, yes, they will. first time some of them hear a message about women not cutting their hair, it shocks them. They never heard that before. First time they hear a message on jewelry and makeup, it shocks them. And unless they really got the goods, they're probably going to check out about right then. But those that felt the effect of the word, when they feel it again now, as it begins to teach them how to live for God and how to please God. It starts to attack their thinking and rearrange their thinking until you know what they do? They go home and the women throw away all their blue jeans and and, and all their pants and all their jewelry and makeup and and men go home and throw out the television and, and, and all of that junk. Start cleaning house. 
didn't know that before, but now the Word, the Word has done something in their mind. The Bible said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Where's the strongholds at? Over there at the Clinton Memorial? Or the Clinton presidential, is that where the stronghold is? Well, that's one of them. But anyway, where's the real stronghold at? Is it over at the White House? Is it over in Afghanistan in some cave? Some, where is the stronghold at? Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ until we're kneeling at an altar with tears running down our face saying God I didn't know that was offensive to you but now that I know I won't be doing that no more I won't be going there no more I won't be wearing that no more I'm trying to hurry and close Or we come to church and we've had battles and struggles all day long and uh, we're mad and we're irritated and, uh, and maybe we've got financial uh, problems or physical problems or, or maybe we, we fought on the way to church and, and, and we're sitting there just like some of you are right here tonight with our minds all discombobulated. Just a war raging on the inside inner turmoil oh their 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 eyes are open and they're clapping their hands and they're mouthing the words but they're not engaged in what's happening their mind is a long ways off that mental condition in that mental condition you will likely receive little or nothing from god but let me tell you what happens preacher gets up to preach And as he preaches, the Word of God is like, in my mind, I see it like a big coin sorter. You know what a coin sorter is? You just pick up a handful of all mixture of change and pour it in the top, and it, and it all falls into its proper slots. Our minds are all confused. I'm talking about apostolic people, one God people. Our minds are all messed up, and the preacher gets up to preach. And the next thing you know, God's sorting out our thoughts and rearranging them and putting them in the right slots and taking out the bad ones and inserting some new ones. And all of a sudden, men and women that came to church depressed, discouraged, despondent, aggravated, irritated. Suddenly now, hope is springing up expectation is bubbling up suddenly now joy is coming all depressed over their situation but now here they are leaping for joy and dancing and worshiping and praising God what happened the word of God went out about five more minutes is all I'm going to need I'm just going to cut to the chase here tonight. Talking about the birthplace of possibilities. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. It's not whether I can do it. It's whether you can believe. But how can we believe unless we hear? Unless we hear. And you know what? As bad as his situation was and as desperate as his condition was, Jesus spoke those few words, if thou canst believe. All things are possible to him that believeth. And a man who had cried himself to sleep many a night, a man who had known the heartache of seeing his pride and joy baby turn into this animal-like creature who had known the despair of hopelessness for years heard those few words and the Bible
Bible says straightway. Right away, immediately. He said, Lord, I believe. A few words rolled away years of heartache. A few words rolled away years of hopelessness and despair. A few words from God caused the man who had given up hope a long time ago to say, I believe. So here we are. I fully agree and endorse the elder preached this afternoon. Faith is so much more than just the miraculous for the moment. And you can get all of that and not live for God. There is a deeper faith, something more profound than that. But these other things, as he said, are in the book. And I don't know how to sort all this out, folks. I'm just going to let the Word of God do it. Because I know that God heals some and others... It looks like he doesn't. And others go to an early grave. And I don't know how to explain all that. And some of you have the heartache of those situations in your life. And you're groping for explanations. And really I can't tell you what they are. I can just tell you what the book said. And for somebody here tonight, I am here to tell you, if you can believe, you're wanting to put it back on the preacher. You're wanting to put it back on the pastor, whether he can pray the prayer of faith, whether he can shake and jerk just right and say just the right words. You're wanting to throw it back at God and God's bouncing it right back at you. It's not whether I can, it's whether you can believe. And you have heard more word tonight than that man heard that day. And if somebody would believe in this house I fully believe with all my heart that miracles could take place in this building right now and what if they don't you're going to look like no I'm not going to look like nothing I gave you the word of the Lord it's on you Ladies and gentlemen, imagine the possibilities in this house right now. This is a one God apostolic camp meeting. The presence of God is here. There is a greater concentration of righteous people in one place in this house than there is for many, many miles around. The Bible said the righteous cry and the Lord heareth them and delivereth them out of all their distresses. Don't tell me that God cannot do something awesome in this house. Somebody could get their healing right now. I believe that a cancer could be healed in this house right now. Sugar diabetes, fat backs, whatever. God can do it right now. Oh, there's still unbelief in the house, but somebody's grabbing a hold of it. Somebody could get saved here tonight. Somebody who came to church not knowing anything about Pentecost could repent of their sins right here in the next few minutes. And God could fill them with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues right here in this house. Somebody could get their deliverance. Hey, there could be a drug addict in the house. You can't fight it by yourself. You're helpless. Your drug addictions, vices are strong. They're powerful. But God can break it tonight. If there's a young man or a young lady or an adult that's bound with some kind of vice, you come down here to the front and put your hands up. And I'm here to tell you that God can deliver you tonight. I'm looking for a miracle. Come on, don't be ashamed. I expect the impossible. The Bible said on the day of Pentecost they were gathered together in one place, in one mind, in one mind.
feel the intangible. I see the invisible. Because this is where some of you are at right now. This man said, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. He'd suffered with it for so long that even though he wanted to believe, he was still struggling. Some of you are struggling. Nothing wrong with coming down here tonight and saying, Lord, help thou mine unbelief. But let me tell you what the outcome was. The Lord delivered that boy. And I want you to envision this scene as dad and son go walking home together. And he calls out to mama when he comes to the door. Honey, come see who's with me. And for the first time in many years, in many years. Can you envision it? Can, can you envision that backslid son and daughter praying through? Can you envision that unsaved companion getting a hold of God? Come on. All right, musicians sing. Let's pray tonight. Let's grab a hold of it. You've heard the word of God. Now just say, I believe. Praise God. Praise God. Go ahead, musicians. Go ahead. Hallelujah. I'm looking Hallelujah. for a miracle. I expect the impossible. I feel the intangible. I see the invisible. I'm looking for a miracle. I expect the impossible. I feel the intangible. I see the I see 